core of what is church all about? Why do churches exist? How would a church know if it was doing a good job or a bad job? And who, did, who measures that? Is that measured by our culture? Is it measured by our leadership here at this church? Or is this something that we can say only God knows that the church is doing what it's created to do? You know, I would, that. I would submit this morning that it's actually the same verses, the same meaning for every church around the world for the last 2,000 years. It really doesn't matter if you're talking about our church here today, or if you're reading about one of the churches in the New Testament, or if you were to go to the other side of the globe and visit a church in another country. Every church in the world exists for one purpose, and that purpose is to reproduce disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. All churches in the world exist for one purpose, and that's to make people in the image of Christ. People who would live their life, people who would serve, people who would, who would use their resources and their affections to do all to turn that on before I started it. See what Jesus Christ came. He was an example for you okay. and for me and for all followers of Him. What our life should look like, what it must look like. And I wonder if that's what the church exists for. How good of a job are we doing? And the only way we can answer that is to look at your life. If we were to put your life up here and, and look at it, do you look like Jesus Christ? How close does your life look to our Lord Jesus Christ? Because I can open this book this morning and I can read stories about Jesus Christ, the things he did. How did he react when people stabbed him in the back? How did he react when he was tired and hungry? How did he react when he had resources and he had time he could spend in relationship or he could spend in organization? How did he balance all that stuff out? We can read stories about that. But then we can also take our life and we can lay it next to his. And we can ask ourselves, how much am I like Jesus Christ? In Romans 8, 29, it says that we are being conformed into the likeness of the Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, God's eternal plan, as Paul lays it out in Romans chapter 8, is that God would take you from His creation, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, He would make you and I look like Jesus Christ. That we would be conformed into His image. And when I think about that, I think that's what the church is all about. I have to ask myself, how are we doing a restoration life? Are we reproducing people in the name of Jesus Christ? And when I think about the churches that I've served in, I have to admit, for the most part, we don't do a very good job of reproducing people in the image of Jesus Christ. What I've seen all too often in the church is that we set up a plateau or a, a bar, if you will, of what it means to be a good, faithful Christian. And it doesn't come anywhere near the example of Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, we've decided that good is good enough, and great is just not possible. But we can never become like Christ. It's just impossible. And somehow we settle for good. So there's some good examples in all the churches that I've served in, of people who are faithful, people that love the Lord, people that do a lot of good things. But for some reason, we've set the bar a little bit too low. And I've noticed in my life that what I've seen happening over and over again is that people come to faith in Christ, they get excited about a relationship with Him, 
they start to change things in their life. I know one of the first things that really changed in my life when I got serious about my relationship with Christ was the way I spoke. I got rid of foul language. Not overnight. But I worked on it. Through the power of God's Spirit, no more bad words started flying out of my mouth. Cleaned up my language. And it feels good. You look back and you go, I was that guy. And now I'm this guy. I grew. I changed. And different areas of my life changed. I was able, again, through God's Holy Spirit to clean up some areas of my life and change and become more like Christ. But what I've noticed in the church is that what oftentimes happens is people come in and zealous for the Lord. They, they, they just recognize for the very first time that they're a sinner separated from God and through Jesus Christ they can be reunited and have the Spirit living in them and have access to power and they can change. People's lives do change. I see it all the time. Your life is probably changed from the first day you heard the gospel. But unfortunately, as people's lives begin to change, and as they get plugged into the church and begin serving in the church, somewhere along the way, people often plateau. They hit this, this spot where they kind of get rid of the foul language, got a lot of the devices and stuff, they dealt with a lot of those things. And you come to church fairly regularly, and maybe even begin to, to give regularly to the Lord and get involved in a ministry. But somewhere along the way, you just start to fall into this, this rut of, well, that's good enough. I'm doing all the right things. Good enough. And I really believe that as a church, we have settled for a standard that is way too low. So I want to do, over the next seven weeks, I want to launch out on a new sermon series, and we're going to look at seven signs that you know you're looking right. I'm just going to stop over the next seven weeks and look one at a time at seven different things that you can look at and say, am I doing that part? Right. Or have maybe I settled for something that's a lot lower standard than what God would have for God has beautiful plans for your life. God sees you in a way that you can't even see yourself. He sees you without stain, without blemish. He sees you in perfection. And He sees where you're at. He sees the, the whole journey to get you to that place. And He wants to take you there. But I think oftentimes we give up I want everybody in this church please to know you're on the right track. So this morning I'm going to start off. The first one is be intentional. Be intentional. It's that place where knowing and doing become one. There's a lot of things you know how to do, but you don't do. It's where knowing and doing become one. Now there's also a lot of things you just flat out don't know yet. None of us know everything. There is so much in the Word of God that we have to study out, to learn, to apply to our life, to walk out on a daily basis, and come back and read again and rediscover the Lord. The Holy Spirit keeps revealing stuff to us. So part of our problem is knowledge, part of our problem is doing. Doing something with that, that knowledge. Let me tell you what it looks like. Do you share your faith on purpose or on accident? In other words, when you think about the Bible says you should share your faith with others, share the good news, share the light that's been given to you. Do you do that on purpose or do you do it on accident? Are you a person who looks for opportunities to share? Or are you a person that says, well, if, you know, somebody asks me, I Nobody's ever really asked me. I've never shared my faith with When I was in seminary, we had a guy named Larry Boyer from our He's a professional evangelist. That's, a, that's what he does for a living. He travels around, teaches, preaches on evangelism, 
and a guy does evangelism. He shares his faith all the time. He says, I have been on a plane almost every month for the last 20 years. Sometimes, several times a week. But the guy's been traveling all over the world. He's always on airplanes. He says, every time that I sit on an airplane, I have an opportunity to share my faith with a person in the next And almost every time I pray for Christ. Now, I'm sitting in the class, and I don't know about you, but I've been on a few airplanes in my time. And usually when I sit on an airplane, I'm thinking, oh Lord, let the person not want to talk to me. <laughs> because I'm never going to see him again. This is my chance to just like read a magazine and watch a TV show at the same time. And so I'm listening to Larry Moyer talk about how he's always leading people to Christ. And you know, the few times that I have, got involved in conversations and, and I started talking to somebody about Christ. I've never led anybody to Christ out there. It just really hasn't gone that well. And so I'm sitting there listening to him and I'm thinking, did he really lead those people to Christ? Or were they just like, I'll say whatever you want to stop talking? <laughs> and so, you know, I'm a skeptic by nature. I'm sitting in my seminary class and I'm thinking, what's the deal with this guy there? He's just, I mean, the guy's full of personality, as you can imagine, must be. And so, as he's telling this story, he gets to the end, he goes, and I know some of you guys, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, did he really lead us to And he says, you know, a long time ago, I, I had to come to an understanding this, because people would ask me that question all the time. Why do the people sitting next to you pray to receive Christ? Why don't the people sitting next to me pray to receive Christ? The people sitting next to me are never in a place where they want to receive Christ. He was telling story after story about people on an airplane, the person sits down next to him and starts talking. They said, I knew my, my best friend told me I was going to meet somebody today and he's going to change my life. I think that was like already set up, you know? And, uh, and Larry said, Think about it. If you were God and you wanted someone to hear the gospel, would you sit up next to you? Or you sitting next to me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then and this is what I'm talking about. Being intentional. Do you plan on sharing your faith with someone? Or would you only do it if you had to? You see, I believe that part of what God asks all of us to do is live an intentional life. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, he didn't just bumble through life. He was on a mission. He had a plan. Everything had a purpose. Every conversation that he had was a conversation that was going someplace in the Let me ask you another one. Do you learn the Bible on purpose or do you learn the Bible on accident? In other words, another thing I think that we as God's people are supposed to do is understand the Word of God, the truth of Scripture. How do you learn the Bible? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can approach that. I'm going to speak just briefly about some, what I've seen my life before. I had an opportunity to go to seminary. Great opportunity. Not everybody gets a chance to stop four years of their life or $36,000 in education and go to seminary. I, I get that. It's not a poem that everybody has. I'm so blessed that I had that opportunity and I loved everything. And I'll cherish that for the rest of my life. But, you know, if you didn't go to seminary, that's not an excuse to be biblically ignorant. Well, I don't know about it. I didn't go to seminary. You can study this book. 
not only can you, I believe again, if you look at the standard of Jesus Christ, when he was 12 years old, where was Jesus found? His parents lost him, couldn't find him. Where could he be? He was in the temple, talking with the teachers of the law. A 12-year-old who's into this book, 12 years old. You and I should have an appetite for God's truth. When I've watched my wife over the years, we've moved to different places. We've lived in, in Texas, we've lived overseas, uh, we've been in several different churches, and she hasn't been able to just lock into one way to study the Bible and just stick with it. But what I've seen is that everywhere we've gone, she's found a women's Bible study that she can plug into once a week and study. When we were in Holland, she did several different studies. I think that more was probably the majority of them. Phenomenal studies. Uh, today she's plugged into the CBS every Wednesday morning. I know several of you guys go as well. But Paul gets uh, in together and goes off to CBS and then they stay. And there's homework all week long. It's not just like they read a passage and it's great. All right, it's good talk. They actually study out the scriptures, learn them, assimilate them into their lives, practice them. And I've watched my wife for the last four as she's grown in her faith journey, she's learned so much of God's work. Why? Because if someone just dropped it in her life? No. Because she gets in her car, she goes and signs up, and she shows up, she does her homework, and she continues to study the word of God. Intentional. Are you intentional about the way you live your life? Our text this morning is Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. I'd like you to turn that with me and catch your Bibles. Luke 6, 46 to 49. This morning I want to read the words of Jesus Christ. The way that he described how people get it wrong. When they're trying to follow him, they still get it wrong. In other words, when their priorities aren't right and not intentional, you can easily be led astray. You think you're following God, you think you're serving God. Really missing the mark. What's happening in Jesus' day is still happening today. So, first, starting in verse 46 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood struck that house, who could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, it's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. In this passage, Jesus talks about what it's like when people come to follow him, and they don't have the right foundation. They don't really do what he asked them to do. They look good from afar, but there's something missing at the structural level. Verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I said? Now how strange it is for Jesus to see people, they're shaking their heads, but not changing their ways. I think of the church that we serve in today, whether it's Restoration Life or the church here in America, I think how many people are willing to shake their head? Amen. Carry their Bible. Put a bumper sticker on their car. Show up and feed the homeless. But yet at the end of the day, 
is a lot more head shake than heart change. And I'm convinced that if Jesus were to stand in our community today, he'd have the same message for people today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and they don't do what I say? We don't truly follow through on the inside. It's often just on the outside. You know, when was the last time that you heard a Bible teaching? Whether it was a sermon up here, a Sunday school class, a Bible study, smaller, you heard a Bible teaching and you were convicted by it. You said, I've got to make a change in my life. And then you went out and you changed something in your life so that it reminded you of the truth of Scripture. Can you picture that moment in your head? Was it years ago? Was it days ago? Are you in that habit of intentionally applying Scripture to your life and living the truth? Because if you're not, Jesus would say to you, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me your God, your Savior? Well, you don't need to do what I say. In God's eyes, prophecy. He wants your heart. He wants the real you. He doesn't want just the outer trappings. He wants you all the way down to the floor. If you've been listening and learning and doing you've been really applying the truth of Scripture to your life, then as you look back over the last year, you should be praying more, sharing more, giving more, worshiping better, you should be more generous. Those are all things we've talked about from right up here in the Word of God. Is it changing your life? Is it changing the way you live? Then verse 47 says, I will show you what he is like who hears my words and puts them into practice. Jesus uses a word picture here. In other words, he uses spoken words to paint a picture that we can all see. So Jesus tells the story about these two men. One who builds his house with a solid foundation, and then a flood comes. And when the flood comes and hits against the house, the house stays firm. Another guy builds his house, and he doesn't build a good foundation. Builds a great house. Foundation isn't there. And the floods come and completely destroy he tells this story to you can picture, and I don't know what color the house was you picture, but you and I both picture that house. And that story, that picture that he shared, shows us the spiritual truth. You know, when I, uh, when I moved to Holland 10 years ago, it was 1999, October, starting a new life. My wife's best friend, Shelly, was getting married that same month. So I actually moved to Holland without my wife, and she came two weeks later. And I remember sitting in the living room of the family's house I was staying in, and CNN was on. And they were doing a report on this big, huge, ginormous earthquake that was rocking downtown Los Angeles. Now, normally this would have been for me, except that the wedding was in Los Angeles, and my dear bride was there as well. And so me, I thought, oh my goodness, my wife is in Los Angeles, so I'm you know, looking at the news report, I want to see what the, the, the death toll is and how bad it is, and they're talking about this huge earthquake. But the news report went on, I found out that actually nobody died. 7.0 earthquake, only 100 miles from downtown LA, nobody died. It was amazing. I, I didn't even know that that was possible. I guess I just kind of paid But because of the way they built buildings and everything, there really was very little damage. And it was a big point of later I talked to my wife on the phone and found out that they were in a high-rise hotel and the building was swaying back and forth so much that in 
on an exactly the elevator shaft, and the elevator is just like a big, you know, the thing on the clock that goes back and forth, a big bang back and forth inside of there. And they were just, they were in there looking and they were going to die. And then the thing stopped. And everything still worked. The pipe still worked. The electricity still worked. Because it was built well. You know, that same year, two months earlier, 
Those houses should have been built better. They weren't, and now they were changing all the building codes and nobody could rebuild because they hadn't figured out how to rebuild them so they were safe. The foundation that you use is important. I'm getting ready to lift my house. In about a month, we're going to lift our house up off this foundation. I'm going to put a brand new foundation. I've already been checking out what the, the building does say about building the foundation under my house. The one that's there now would never fly. It doesn't go down far enough. It has no metal in it. It's not sufficient. The new one we put back is going to be about twice as big, and it's going to have metal in it, and it's going to be all reinforced. And then when we set the house back down, we're going to put metal straps on it and strap down. So that if a flood came or an earthquake, it would stay hooked on to the foundation. And it makes me think once again about the words of Jesus here. When it comes to your spiritual life, are you intentional? Are you living out the truth of Scripture? If you look back over the last few years of your life, or however long it's been since you've known the Lord as your Lord and do you see a track record of adjustment, alignment, and doing what God has revealed to you? Have you learned new truths? Or are you still looking off the truths that were taught to you five years ago? Because our dream here at Restoration Life is that every single person, myself included, would never collapse up, would never stop going. Because I'm here to tell you that you and I will never attain to perfection this side of eternity. There'll come a time when you and I get to go be with the Lord, and it says that God is going to make us glorified. He's going to remove even the desire to sin from your life. That day's coming in eternity. But this side of eternity, God has plans for your life, and He wants to grow you into the man and the woman that He knows you can be. And He wants to help you apply the truth of Scripture to your life so that you can be more like Christ right here. Because the more you are like Christ, the more love, joy, peace you're going to pour into this world at the end of the day, the more glory God's going to give you. You don't need to spend another day where you're at. You can go further. That's God's promise to you and me. There's no reason for any of us to plateau. Nobody's arrived. In fact, nobody's even close. We've all got a long journey to go. My encouragement is this morning. Are you being intentional in this journey? If you don't have a plan, if you don't know where you're going, if you can't even say with any certainty if you've made any progress this year, We've worked hard to develop a spiritual assessment tool here at Westlock. Pastor Mark's in charge of making sure that you have access to that. If you've never heard of it, like to get involved with it. Talk to Pastor Mark and schedule you in. It's our plan that every single person at Westlock, at least once a year, to sit down face to face with someone and have a conversation about where you're at. We've got a little tool that helps walk you through that continue to go forward and continue to grow. And my hope is that when you're, you know, at this for 30, 40 years, you'll be able to say, by the grace of God, I'm facing good ground. I've got a long way to go. And this is going to be good. So that God can continue to make you that person who wants to be. Don't plateau. Don't settle. Don't compare yourself to other Christians. Be the man for you that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would make us into men and women. 
that apply your truth to our lives. If you're in, if you're out, we change, we grow. Our faith gets deeper. Our experience, our, our experiences are vaster, our knowledge is greater. Lord, I pray that we do not settle. Because, Lord, I pray that you have much more for us. And, Lord, I pray we would take the words to heart that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't even want to do what I say? Lord, we want to do what you say. We want to call you Lord, Lord. And then we want to do all those things that you command us to do. That you would be glorified in our lives. That our world will be changed by the message of the gospel. We pray the same thing.